Now, Connect FM Sports puts every play under review with Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. The Pirates are the talk of the town, and Brian Reynolds was locked up for eight more years. Are you getting bucko fever? We'll discuss. After months of speculation, the NFL draft is upon us. We'll get you ready with interviews from two guests, Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and Alex Kazora of Steelers Depot. Sure, the Penguins aren't in the playoffs, but we're keeping tabs on the action elsewhere. We'll provide our thoughts on what's been going on around the NHL. I'm Dave Glass. I'm Bob Anderson. Stay tuned as we discuss these topics and more as we go Under Review on Connect FM, your only local news radio. Good evening again, sports fans, and Merry Draft Eve to you. After months of rumors, mock draft speculation, it's finally time for NFL teams to unwrap their presents. And we'll have a couple of guests to talk about that with here in just a little bit to get you ready for it. In the meantime, Dave, you and I are going to make our predictions. How excited are you, first of all, for the NFL draft? Well, I'm, I've got to say this, not as excited as you. For I think <laughs> for Bob, this is like this is a second Christmas for him. It really is. He he loves the draft. He's been talking about the draft in our uh, texts for a while. I, I, I have to confess, I've been less interested in the draft over the past four or five, six, seven years because I've come to realize that I don't think any of these front offices have the game beat. You know, it seems like... As I've said before, the picks are lottery tickets. You just want to have as many as you can and hope if you hit. It's not to say that there isn't some skill involved. I'm not saying that at all. But you just look at, at, at the way these drafts go. And, you know, just having the number one, number two, number three pick doesn't mean anything. There have been plenty of busts up there. And I, I'm not I, – I'll be, I'm going to say this. My hot take is that one of the top three or four picks is going to bust. We won't know that for a couple years. But I, I just – I don't see a true elite – quarterback that's an absolute can't miss prospect here yeah absolutely and it's funny because a lot of people last year were saying oh the Steelers should wait the next year's quarterback class looks better and now people are saying the same thing about this year's quarterback class well the difference is I mean everybody did wait I believe Pickett was the first yeah he was the only one way down yeah 20th overall yeah I mean it's pretty clear from the mock drafts and I I haven't looked at as much as you but I have looked that there's going to be quarterbacks taken maybe three out of the top four probably the top two so that is a a, that's a little bit different I mean when you're taking a quarterback second third round late first round it still hurts if you miss that pick but if you miss a number one pick man it sets your franchise back well especially if you're Carolina and they traded all that draft capital to get up there well, well, let's let's start there. Yeah. I mean, uh, the the mock drafts I'm seeing, they were saying Stroud, and now they're saying probably Young. And I'm I'm reading that a lot of it is because he looked good in the combines. He did well on the uh, the, the you know the the mental acuity tests and things like that. Um, you know, and and look, I'm going to be flat out. I didn't watch much Alabama. I watched some. I mean, but. Every time, how many Alabama quarterbacks have come out and really made that much of a difference in the NFL? It's not a huge list. I, and again, I'm maybe he's the exception. I don't know. It's but, probably a bigger list than Ohio State's quarterbacks. Well, and, and there you go. With Stroud, I mean, he had some moments where he looks like he just can't be beaten. I did watch a lot of Ohio State. And then he'd have other moments where it's like, what are you doing? And... 
Now, he had a ton of talent. Well, they both had a ton of talent around him. I mean, especially at Alabama, it's almost like a, a low-level NFL team playing against these college teams. So I, for me, I have trouble breaking the wheat from the chaff out with that. I, one of my things I like to look at are elite lower division players that just stand out so much. And a lot of those, like Jerry Rice and other players, go on to success because if they, you know, they stand out so much and you can tell it's them and it's not their teammates. True. Well, we know how much Mike Mike Tomlin likes SEC players. Um, but I will say CJ Stroud, I mean, he's never gonna probably have as good of a wide receiving core as he had at Ohio State. I mean, some of the studs that he had there. Not compared to the competition, no. Right. But uh Bryce Young does look to be the first, you know, he's like he's gonna be the first pick, probably the uh consensus. The big thing is with him is actually that he's not very big. He's what, five ten, about he's he's about my size. Well and <laughs> a little you know, little heavier. That's, you know, it's funny. I think 20 years ago, that would have been, you know, he would never have been drafted number one with that, you know, the, the whole Doug Flutie effect and blah, blah, blah. It seems like the league has gone away from that thinking. I mean, I don't know. Anything below six feet still pushing it, but you don't have to be this six foot four big pocket passer anymore. They want mobility, you know, be able to improvise. I think Mahomes has gone a long way to changing how we look at the position and, and what's possible. Um, and look at what Drew Brees did too. You know, oh, you know? a great example. Yeah. You know, there's a guy, you know, man, when he was at Purdue, and I'll be, I'll admit, I was one of the people who thought he might be a system quarterback at Purdue, and I was wrong. And so were a lot of other talent evaluators, by the way. Um, but, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback right there. And that goes to show you just until you put that NFL ball in their hands and put them with NFL players, you don't really know what you're getting at the especially at the quarterback position. Well, and this is why I love the draft, especially this year. It feels like there's just so many questions. Uh, we don't have an overall consensus top five. And even Jalen Carter, who might be the best player in the draft, he might slip, you know? Well, I see. I'm, I'm reading through the Athletics uh, mock draft, and they have him going fifth to Seattle. But they're also saying that if they, they are thinking Seattle's going to try to move down and may not find any takers, and they're just like, well, we have to take Carter. Um, I'll be watching that interest, you know, because it's like this whole thing, talent versus, you know, questionable off-field stuff. I, w- I, I think Seattle might be in a landing place, but if they don't take him – how far will he go? I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, we we almost you know uh, have this segment in the books here, but uh, who who are you thinking the Steelers are going to take? Throw something out there. Uh, I, you know, I I still think they're going to end up with Porter. I think Porter's the most likely person to be. Now, if one of these stud tackles ends up there, I think they take him. But and I know I'm sounding kind of like chalk here because I know a lot of people are saying the same things, but it just makes logical sense. And even though he's a Penn State guy and I don't like taking homegrown people, so I was a little down on Pickett. It's like, eh, just because you know you see them every week doesn't mean they're better than everybody else. But Porter's a darn good corner. And one of the things I can say as a Penn State fan that I knew he was good is he didn't get any hardly any interceptions or passes defense because teams would just not, wherever he was, they would just avoid it. And that is the ultimate sign of respect. And he was that good and he can tackle and, and he would be a good fit. Well, the betting markets agree with you. I think he's the top, you know, top guy as far as odds go for the Steelers. I'm going to go we'll go with an offensive tackle. I've been preaching it here for, you know, a couple of, uh, well, at least for a month and a half since we started this show. I think they're going to end up with left tackle Broderick Jones from Georgia. Now, a lot of people don't think he's going to fall. 
And and that's the question. But I think that they're going to get them. I well, think they're going to find a way to trade up and get them. Well, it depends on what they if, give they, up. If that, they have to trade you know, up. And I, we are out of time. And, and we should say to the audience, we have an awesome lineup tonight, but yes. it is an unusual lineup. So this opening segment is shorter, but we are going to have more time at the end. So I think we can come back to the draft after. I just wanted to throw it out there before we hear from our guests so you don't think I'm cheating. So when we return, who are the Steelers going to take? Jerry Dulack of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette's going to tell us, I'm sure. Stay with us on Connect FM. Smith Timbering and Consultants are experts at tree management and are looking for an energetic, reliable individual to join their team. They currently have an excellent opportunity for a full-time forestry technician to buy Mark and Cruz standing timber. They offer competitive pay with bonus incentives, health incentives, health insurance, and company vehicle. Associate's degree or higher in forestry required. Please email your resume or questions to Wes at smithtimbering.com. That's Wes at smithtimbering.com. Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. Hey, we're back with you here. Uh, Bob's getting uh, Jerry Dulac. Finally, on the phone right a now. weekly local sports show that you've always wanted. Under Review Sports Talk on Connect FM. Get the latest on your favorite local sports teams here. Brought to you by our title sponsor. Next Year Bank is a proud supporter of all area sports and boys. Bank anywhere, anytime, all on your terms with Next Year Bank's online and mobile banking solutions. Helping local families and businesses achieve their financial goals for over a century. Liberty Boulevard, Dubois, and at Next Year Bank.com, your community bank. Okay, sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. We were having some technical difficulty, but uh, we'll see if we have Jerry on the line. Jerry, can you hear us? Hello, Jerry. Okay, well, Dave, how about you do some talking, and I'll, I'll try to get Jerry back on the line here. I can hear we I think we I think you did lose him so <laughs> we're going to have a little bit of ad lib tonight. So I I while he's doing that I do want to uh go over why I don't think they're going to get Broderick Jones. A lot of uh a lot of teams right in front of the Steelers have offensive tackle needs. Uh, I've seen some teams or some previews that say that the Patriots are going to take Jones. Uh he, he gets to the Jets they might take Jones. Um, you know, the Packers are also a team that might take an offensive tackle. So there's there's a lot of, of offensive tackle needs right in front of the Steelers. So I think they're going to have to do that. And I think Bob may have our guest now. Do we have you, Jerry? Yes, as long as you can hear me, I can hear you. Yep, okay. we got you. Hey, so sorry about that. We, we're having some technical issues. It's a, a pleasure to have you on here. And I uh, just wanted to know, do you know where Dubois is on the map? Uh, I'm sorry, uh, what was that? I apologize. I say, do you even know where Dubois, Pennsylvania is on the map? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't, it's been a while since I've been up to Dubois, but I've, uh, I've been there uh, a number of times. Okay, wonderful. Well, thanks for have, uh, joining us here. Um, are you getting some feedback? No, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Okay. So, Jerry, we're trying to figure out who the Steelers are going to take. We know that you're pretty well connected. Uh, a lot of people are saying maybe the Steelers are going to trade up in this draft. What are you thinking in the first round? Are they going to stay put? Or are they going to be aggressive? Well, I, I think that, one, there's always the possibility of trading up, even down, but we've seen them be more inclined to trade up. So that's nothing foreign to them. 
Um, you know, they did that for Troy Palomalo. They, uh, you know, they traded up to get uh, uh, Devin Bush. Uh, you know, so, I mean, they've made moves. Casey Hampton in the first round. They've made moves before. So it won't be surprising to me. The good news for them for that to happen is that they have a lot of leverage with that 30-second pick. You know, they, it, it's not just the pick itself. It's the fact that it's the first pick of the second day, which means teams have the ability to uh, obviously – you know, the day the first round's done, they have all 20 of 24 hours basically to figure out what their next move is and whether they might want to trade it. So um, I, I think there's a good chance that they could. All of that being said, they have three picks among the top 49. And if you, you know, having that isn't bad, but I think you can move, you might be able to move that 49th pick. Uh, to uh, you know, maybe move up in the in the first round a couple spots. It just depends how far they go. What they're going to take, it all depends. It all depends on what's on that board. But I I think if they are going to move up, they are going to trade up in the first round. They will trade up to get a cornerback, not an offensive lineman. Well, that's interesting. That's that's very interesting because Bob, before you came on, Bob was feeling that they might trade up to get an OT. And I did notice in some of the mock drafts that the teams right in front of them seem pretty interested in offensive tackles. Uh, so if if you think they're going to trade up for a corner, who's the corner that you think they would target? Well, they have two that they think are better than all the rest, and that's Devin Witherspoon and uh, Christian Gonzalez. Devin Witherspoon is probably, probably, but you never know probably going to go a little higher. He could go six, seven, uh, eight. Whereas I think Christian Gonzalez would be more like nine, 10 or 11. So, uh, it just depends. Um, uh, you know, it would be more feasible in terms of how far you have to move up to get at one of those two, which means, uh, Gonzalez could be more in their crosshairs, but I think what's going to happen with tackle and it'll depend on the quarterbacks. How far the quarterbacks, uh, you know, if four of them go in the first ten picks, that'll push the tackles down. Peter Skaronsi doesn't interest interest them from the standpoint of, while they really like him, they figure he's a guard, as do many other NFL teams. And so they're not interested in a guard. Paris Johnson's probably going to be the first tackle to go. Broderick Jones has some, has some injury concerns. He's not a red flag, but that could drop him a little bit, and that could push Darnell right down as well. So if they don't make a trade, I could see it being a tackle. Um, I could also see it being a defensive lineman, but very few. Very, there's very few options there at one. I see the defensive tackle being at number two more than likely. But I say to offensive tackle if they don't make a trade because they believe – there's there's three or four more uh, more cornerbacks who are low first round, early second round. So if they don't make a deal, I could see it being a tackle. I could see it being Darnell Wright. I could see it possibly being Broderick Jones if he drops a little bit. And then they'll they'll take one of those. I don't want to call them second tier corners, but the Joey Porter, Deontay Banks, they probably won't make it out of the first round. But there's a couple other guys like Keely Ringo, Cam Smith, who interest them, uh, you know, as a as an early 
second round. So, you know, a lot of it just depends on who's there and, and what they want to do in terms of making a move, if they want to make a move. Jerry, do you think that they have any interest in moving down with that 30-second pick and maybe acquiring some extra picks? They have a kind well, of a, a... I, don't, I don't know that it's so much about acquiring extra picks. I think it has to do with moving up in the first round. If they move up in the first round, they're going to have to probably be able to do that is move back uh, at, at 32. So, you know, maybe not a lot. Maybe you go from 32 to 36. Um, it, you know, maybe you maybe you move back to 34 or 35 in order to move up from 49. Um, but I so I don't know that they're going to trade down just to trade down. I really don't see that happening. Not when you have the first pick in the second round. It all it it will all just depend on if somebody wants to make a move for them that you know they they overpay the Steelers. You know, it'll be a it'll be a good sell for the Steelers. Um, but I think it'll, it'll more have to do not just to acquire extra picks. Seven is plenty for them. They don't need more than seven extra picks. They're just drafting guys to cut them. I think it's more the quality of the picks that they're interested in. Switching a little bit up here and talking about uh, the Pitt Panthers, uh, you know, some outlets have Cansey, the defensive lineman, going either late first round or early second round. You've seen more of him, I'm sure, than I have. Uh, What's your take on him, and will he be an effective uh, defensive lineman in the NFL? Well, I don't think I don't think there's any question he can be an effective play, effective player. As a second round pick, I think he's an outstanding second round pick. You know, I see some mocks that have him, uh, uh, you know, low first round. I saw one that had a mid first round. I don't put a lot of uh, belief in that, um, but I could see him being a late first round pick. But as I said, as a second round pick, anywhere as a high second round pick. Uh, to even a mid-second round pick, that's a, that's a steal. So I think I, I think obviously his size is his deterrent. But as I like to tell everybody, they said the same thing about Aaron Donald. He wasn't tall enough, and uh, you see, see how that worked out. Well, and I'll tie it into the Pittsburgh. Let's say he's there at 32, and Pittsburgh holds that still holds that pick. I mean. I know they took a pit player last year, and you know they've been tied. You know everybody's talking about maybe Joey Porter, Penn State local guy. But do you think Cansey makes some sense? They clearly have some deep defensive line needs. There's no question about it. But what they need on the defensive line is the next Cam Hayward. They don't need defensive linemen. They need a stud. It's just like on the offensive line. They don't need an offensive lineman. They need a stud. But a cornerback, they don't need a cornerback. They need a starter. They need someone who could come in right away and play and start. And so um, that's why when you look at all their needs, the one position that screams for a starter, a surefire starter, is cornerback. And that's why I think ideally that's where they would like to go on defense. If they want to be great and dominant like Mike Tomlin claimed they could be last year, which they weren't, then the missing piece is a corner. They have the Pro Bowl defensive lineman. They have the Pro Bowl uh, edge rusher. They have the Pro Bowl safety. They don't have that type of corner. Patrick Peterson is 33. His best days are behind him. He's not that guy. But they need to go out and find, if they feel that they have, uh, you know, through their evaluations, a grade A corner, then to me, they, I think they will try and go get him because they have some of the leverage to do so. 
And Jerry, we know you have only about a minute left here, and we really appreciate having you on. Uh, curious about the offensive line, the interior offensive line. Do you think they're done there? And how about inside linebacker? Could you see them going that route maybe in the second round or third round? Yeah, that's why um, Peter Skaronsi doesn't interest them. He's a guard. They're, they're, they have no interest on the interior. I will say this. I will say this. John Michael Schmitz, the center from Minnesota, would not surprise me at all. Uh, because he is another, he's another plug-and-play guy. If you could get him on a second round, a 30-second pick, or you, I don't think he'll drop any lower than that. Um, they brought him in for a visit. They like him. Uh, I could see that happening. Not a guard, but I could see a center. And that's no reflection on Mason Cole. I could just see them uh, I, I, um, looking at, you know, look, this is the best player who we have on the offensive line. That, that allows them to have some mobility and flexibility then on the line as far as taking a guard no but i could see john michael schmitz at 32 uh you know for the uh, uh being one of their picks an inside linebacker uh, uh not until the fourth round uh, i don't see that um you know maybe maybe a third round pick maybe but i think that's a friday uh, excuse me a saturday pick to be perfectly honest you know they made a couple moves in free agency once again, to kind of just hold them over. They like Cole Holcomb. They think he's a two- or three-year player. Uh, uh, the kid from Roberts from Miami, he's a one-year stopgap. That's all he is for the most part. Uh, but I don't see them making a move at inside linebacker un- until you know after the third round. All right. Well, you gave us a lot to think about, Jerry. We really appreciate it, and thanks for taking the time. You got it. Nice chatting with you. Nice talking to you. Carlson Auto Repair is a locally family-owned and operated business that serves you, their customer, like you're one of the family. Carlson Auto Repair genuinely cares about the folks who come to see them for mechanical and auto body work. They don't do anything that isn't needed, and they do the repairs at an affordable rate. If you need auto repair inspections or collision work, get it done right and reasonably at Carlson Auto Repair, where they know you and they know your vehicle. 100 East Park Avenue, Dubois. Now, let's go back to Under Review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. We're just going to take a uh, quick couple minutes. Infused to- IV Bar in Dubois now offers Dr. G's weight loss, an FDA-approved semaglutide, a once-a-week injection that is helping both men and women lose three to seven pounds a week, plus their new service, PEMF Therapy. Recharge your cells in 30 minutes with pulsed electromagnetic therapy, decreasing inflammation and joint pain. Available for pets, too. Coming soon to Infused IV Bar, red light sauna therapy, Botox, peptides, and more. Book an appointment today or find out more about their services at Infused IV Bar on Midway Drive in Dubois, or find them online at Hi friends, this is Tom from Dutch Pantry. I wanted to take this moment to both thank God for his many blessings and to thank everybody from our surrounding communities for your continued support. Dutch Pantry has been serving wholesome quality meals and a variety of country favorites in the Dubois area. And when it comes to desserts, we have fresh baked pies, hot fudge cake, apple fritter sundaes, all delicious classics. So once again, thank you for allowing us to be part of your family dining experience. Dutch Pantry Family Restaurant, open daily 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. Route 219 North, I-80, exit 97, Dubois. 
Keeping your eye on the ball is the key to playing sports well. Let Wise Eyes coach you into sturdy shatter and contact-resistant eyewear. Whether your child plays sports, you love extreme sports, or you work in hazardous construction zones, you need sharp vision while protecting your eyes. Dr. Lineski is a leader in clinical eye care and takes the time to explain your eye test results. Proud to support local sports programs, Wise Eyes has served our community for over 20 years. Come and strive to boys and at MyWiseEyes.com. Hi, I'm Dan Kennard, and it's time for this week's Connect FM Local Youth Sports Beat. Sponsored by Dr. Greg Lineski and Wise Eyes at the Dubois Commons. We're going to get right to the District 9 Spring Sports Scoreboard. And we're backing it up a full week to get you caught up to date. On Wednesday, April 19th in District 9 baseball action, St. Mary's was a 13-6 winner over Bradford. Brockway was beating Elk County Catholic in five innings, 12-1. And Dubois Central Catholic knocked off Brookville, 11-5. Punxsutawney had a 7 nothing win over Dubois in that one. Nevin Day for Punxsutawney went three for four with three runs batted in. He also pitched a three-hit shutout for the Chucks. In softball action on April 19th, St. Mary's blanked Bradford 14-0 in five innings. Elk County Catholic was a 16-1 winner over Brockway in four innings. Brookville downed Port Allegheny 14-4 and Dubois was a 13-2 winner over Punxsutawney in five innings. Dubois four home runs in that game. In some tennis matches played on April 19th, Altoona upended Dubois 6-1. Elk County Catholic shut out Punxsutawney 7-0. On April 20th, a Thursday, baseball action had Brookville a 4-1 winner over Brockway. Carson Weaver pitched a complete game for Brookville. He gave up only one run on three hits. He had seven strikeouts in that one. Belfont shut down Clearfield 4-0. Kerwinsville a 14-13 winner over Juniata Valley. And Kane defeated Elk County Catholic 4-1. Softball games on April 20th had Brookville beating Brockway 8-5. Alyssa Tolini had three hits for the Lady Raiders. She also had three runs batted in and pitched a complete game eight-hitter for the Lady Raiders. Bald Eagle area blanked Clearfield 11-0 in five innings. Juniata Valley edged Kerwinsville 2-1. In tennis action that day, St. Mary's was a 5-2 winner over Dubois. Elk County Catholic shut out Brockway 7-0, and Bradford was a 6-1 winner over Punxsutawney. Moving to Friday, April 21st, Dubois Central Catholic in baseball got a 13-1 win at Elk County Catholic in five innings. Brookville needed 11 innings to finally take care of Clearfield 7-6. Dubois a 4-3 winner over Hollidaysburg. Clarion beat St. Mary's 7-2. Softball games on Friday had Forest Area beating Brockway 13-3. West Branch scoring a lot of runs and getting a 26-8 win over Brookville in five innings. Dubois Central Catholic continuing winning ways with a 12-3 win over Cranberry. Punxsutawney beat Keystone 3 to 1, St. Mary's shut out Clarion in 4 innings by a 15 to nothing score. And then this past Saturday, a baseball game was played, Dubois Central Catholic winning that one over Red Bank Valley 3 to 1. All 3 of DCC's runs came in the 4th inning. 
in this week's District 9 baseball and softball action on Monday. Clearfield beat Bradford 12-1 in five innings. Brookville was a 9-3 winner over Keystone. Clarion Limestone uh, shut out Dubois Central Catholic 10-0 in six innings. Softball games on Monday included a Keystone win over Brookville 9-3. Holidaysburg putting down Clearfield 12-4 and Dubois Central Catholic getting a 9-6 win over Marion Center. DCC's K Kaylee Risser was four for four in that game with four runs and two runs batted in. And then on Tuesday, it was in baseball games, Clarion 8-2 winner over Dubois. Holidaysburg with an 11-1 decision over Clearfield in six innings. Kerwinsville outhit Glendale 5-4. Dubois Central Catholic was a 3-1 winner over Johnsonburg, while Punxsutawney defeated Elk County Catholic 10-1. Softball games on Tuesday included an Elk County Catholic win over Clarion 10-2. Belfont shutting out Clearfield. 10 nothing in six innings. Glendale was a 13 nothing winner over Kerwinsville. Dubois Central Catholic improved to a 12 and 0 record with a 14 to 5 win over Johnsonburg. In that game, the Lady Cardinals Lauren Davidson was three for four with four runs batted in. And on the schedule for today in District Nine baseball and softball, Brookville is at Bradford in baseball action. Punxsutawney will play at St. Mary's trio of softball games. Dubois is scheduled to play at Holidaysburg, Bradford uh, doubleheader at Brookville, and St. Mary's on the schedule today to play at Punxsutawney. That's this week's Connect FM local youth sports beat, sponsored by Dr. Greg Lineski and Wise Eyes at the Dubois Commons. Here's your Connect FM Tri-County forecast. A freeze warning begins at 2 a.m. early tomorrow morning and continues until 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Mainly clear skies tonight with a low of 31. Northerly winds 5 to 10 miles per hour. Highs around 66 tomorrow, lots of sunshine. Partly cloudy tomorrow night, chance for scattered rain showers, lows level off around 47. That's your Tri-County forecast throughout the hour, throughout your busy day on Connect FM. Currently, it's 53. What's your call? This is Under Review on Connect FM. You can call Bob, Dave, and Dave at 814-372-1420. Join the chat on their Facebook page by searching Under Review Sports. All right, we're going to take a little break from the NFL draft, even though I could talk about it the whole hour here tonight. But uh, we have to talk about the Pirates. They're off to their best start since 1992. Really, they've become the story in Major League Baseball through April. And after winning seven in a row, yeah, they dropped the heartbreaker last night. But even so, the Buccos are 16-8. and eight. They're one game above the Brewers for first place in the division. Dave, is it time to take this team seriously? Oh, you sound like your brother now. It's like, are they, are they going to the World Series? I, I Look, take them seriously, yes. Are they better than we thought in some ways? I think definitely. The rotation has blown every... I, you could find me the most diehard fan in the world, and they wouldn't think the rotation would have been this good. Last night, they blew it, but the rotation was good again. It was really, you know, an error, a bloop, and, a, you know, and then that three-run homer. You know, I, I still think I, I'm not sold on some of their bullpen. I know it's been good early, but there, there's a bunch of no-name, 20, you know, 28, 29-year-olds in there that they might, you know, Cinderella might strike midnight there. Um, and Holderman got himself in trouble a couple games ago and got out of it. So, 
eh. But I know some people were kind of panicking about that. I'm like, listen, number one, there's 162 of these <laughs> games. This is going to happen. Number two, you know, I still don't really think they're anything like a 90-win team. So let's temper expectations. And number three, they put seven runs up against the Dodgers. And, you know, they're still playing really good baseball. So... This is the stretch. They, they got these three with the Dodgers, who are still a really, really good team. Then they got three against a worse, a bad team. And then they have Tampa. And that, you know, we I think the Pittsburgh is one of the stories, but Tampa has got to be the other one. Last I looked, and I didn't look today, they were 19-3. and three. I mean, I think they've hit a homer in almost every game. They, they, they're, just, they're just bludgeoning everyone, and they play in the toughest division in baseball. How do they do it year after year? And they don't even spend that much, well, do they? They don't. They never spend anything, and when their players start to be expensive, they trade them off, and they win those trades. And I said in the NFL that nobody seems to have the system beat. I kind of think Tampa does because they're so good at identifying talent. I mean, they absolutely fleeced Pittsburgh a few years ago when they traded Archer, who was done, and we got the you know basically the shell of him, and we traded two great prospects. Now Glasnow's been hurt, but but when he's healthy, he is ridiculously good, and they just do that with all these teams. I mean, it's just over and over and over again. But I don't want to get too far afield on that. At Pittsburgh, I mean, McCutcheon's been great. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the Reynolds contract in just a second. I definitely want to talk about that, but I mean, he's, he's been good. Um, the speed aspect, I mean, Bay last night, he was just stealing at will. I mean, he, he, I think he had three steals and, uh, it's like, you know, it's coming too, and they can't do anything about it. The last time it's like, he's clearly going and it's like the the catcher just couldn't stop it. And he beat out a couple of infield, you know, choppers to get on first base. And it's a little bit old school baseball, but it's fun. That's the thing. Even when they lose, it's fun. This is not like, Oh, I got to watch these guys again. They're in every game. They're second in the major leagues with 28 stolen bases or one behind the guardians. So maybe the new roles have helped the pirates, you know, but they're just coming to life here. Connor Joe leads a team with a 328 batting average. And heck, before the season, I couldn't have told you anything about Connor Joe. Well, I remembered that he was a first round pick and then he left. Now, look, Connor Joe's 30 years old. I, I, I want to be the guy who believes that somehow he's figured it out at this age. That my guess is he's going to come back to earth and probably be a 260 hitter and, and you know, just kind of a another guy. But you take this while you can get it. There have been so many years where I thought the Pirates underperformed where they should have been that it's okay to have a year where you kind of, uh, you know, uh, you know, outkick your coverage a little bit because if they, and I've said this before, if they can get through the first three months and overperform, they don't need to go out and make big trades. All they have to do is start calling up these stud prospects because they are chock full of stud prospects in AA and AAA. And, and I'm telling you that this year is all bonus because next year's the year I thought they were really going to compete. And now I believe that even more because look where they are. And they'll have Brian Reynolds in in the lineup. So let's talk about that contract. It was a messy negotiating process, but they finally settle on a deal. Eight years, $106.75 million. It's the largest in Pirates history. The first time they've given anybody over $100 million dollars. Uh, the opt-out clause was eliminated. They did give them a, a limited no-trade clause, but this seems like a pretty big win for the Pirates. It's a huge win for the Pirates. I mean, okay, yeah, was it over $100 million? Yes, it was. Um, is it the most they've ever given? Yes, although that's a low bar. But if you look at what players like Brian Reynolds get on the open market, this is, on an average value basis, this is a steal for the team. This is clearly under market value. And look, that's fine. If he wants to stay and that, and he believes in this, then, you know, God bless him. That's that's wonderful. And I'm certainly not finding fault with him. But, and, and, and 
and Nutting had to sign off on it. So I will give credit for that, but it's not like this is some kind of, oh, wow, they're competing with the Yankees or anybody else. It, the way the the way the money in Major League Baseball is such that this this kind of contract shouldn't be such a big ticket headline item. Other teams sign players like this all the time, and nobody talks. It's like, well, that's just doing business in Major League Baseball. That's a ten billion dollar industry. I might remind you, and the Pirates are getting revenue sharing money. That's the money they're using other teams' money to pay for Brian Reynolds. So, I need to see a little bit more of this before I say, oh, Nutting is suddenly this great owner, but. He didn't trade him. He stayed at the table and he got it done. So I will give credit for that. And uh, and kudos to Brian Reynolds. He's got the security. And I suspect that for at least the first four or five years of that contract, it's going to be a real steal for Pittsburgh. Well, and what I like too is, you know, it doesn't break the bank per year. It's $13.3 million per year. Um, it's sort of uh, backloaded, you know, so the, the bigger uh, paydays come at the end. So, you know, maybe we'll get traded in, in the future. But um, for now, we can enjoy them, and we don't have to talk about those trade trade rumors, at least for a little while. Uh, it also opens up a window to me. They extended um, Cabrian Hayes last year, so now they have him and um, Reynolds signed long-term, and then they cruises under control till 2028. So those three, to me, are the building blocks. I hope they can maybe get Mitch Keller under contract long-term. That's going to be a tougher sell because, I mean, Keller's already 27 so he's going to look at that and say, look, I've got like a short window and I've become a good pitcher. Uh, Cruz, that, you know, maybe you can get an undervalued contract with him. I think he could be anything. I mean, he could be just an unbelievable star. They've got Henry Davis, who's a catcher coming. Uh, they've got, um, Cru- I believe, and is it the other Cruz who's the catcher in AAA? I, uh, I uh, Andy Rodriguez. Oh, Andy Rodriguez. I apologize. I, I was kind of having they might have a cruise coming Uh, there's a kid that they're thinking about you know it might be the first pick overall dylan cruise from lsu and that's the other thing we keep forgetting about on top of all this other stuff they have the number one pick this summer which you know if you do that right maybe in two years he's in the majors that johnson they picked last year everybody still says he's got the best hit tool so yeah tamar johnson second baseman it's been a long time since we can say, wow, there's so much hope in, in, in you know, PNC Park, but they're selling hope and I'm buying. How about the Derek Shelton? He was extended as well. It kind of flew under the radar because of the Reynolds contract, but we don't know the deals, you know, the parameters of that deal, but Derek Shelton's back. What do you think of Shelty as a manager? Well, here's the thing. I think in baseball more than in other sports, the, the manager is is more of a care. T- I mean, yeah, he sets a lineup, but you know anymore the GMs are kind of saying, look, we want you to play it this way. We want you to use these strategies. So he has to be a team player with the front office, and he has to be able to keep a, 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 a good atmosphere in the clubhouse. And I, I hardly ever hold them responsible for wins and losses on a team that was as terrible as Pittsburgh was the last few years because, you know, you could resurrect Earl Weaver, and he wasn't going to get 80 wins out of that group. So it, it – Everybody, every player I've seen says, look, I love playing for this guy. He, he's got a good mannerism about him. We, you know, he, he treats everybody fairly. The players seem to love him. Why not? I mean, why rock the boat? And, and, and I like that. I, what I don't like is you put these managers out with these rebuilding teams and they, they, they lose and they lose and they lose through no fault of their own. And then you fire them right before the team gets good. And it's like, well, that wasn't his fault. You're the one who gave him nothing on the roster. So great. He gets a chance to play with some good players. Let's see what he's about. And, so, and I like the vision of the Pirates. You know, they have to do it this way. I feel like they're just not a big market team. They have to build the prospect pool up. And I do like what Sherrington and Shelton have, have done with that. 
Uh, all right, so we are going to get back into the draft talk. We're going to get Alex Kazora on the line and get his thoughts on who the Steelers might be taking. He, he uh, might be a co-host at this point. We've had him. I on know, right? <laughs> well, he's, he's good. He so. is good. All right, stay with us here on Under Review on Connect FM. Spring has sprung once again at Spitzer Dubois and St. Mary's. And our spectacular specials for you this month are better than ever. Explore all the ways to save some green with the confidence that comes from knowing nearly every vehicle we sell or lease is backed by the Spitzer Shield. Featuring a new vehicle nationwide lifetime powertrain warranty. That's unlimited time, unlimited miles, one year free maintenance, and more. Or explore our certified pre-owned inventory and get the Spitzer certified nationwide powertrain warranty. Featuring bumper-to-bumper coverage and more. Don't miss your chance. These spring savings are only for a limited time and will end soon. Spare yourself from spending too much on future services and spring for our spectacular spring specials backed by our exclusive buying benefits with the Spitzer Shield at Spitzer Dubois and St. Mary's. Shop online anytime. At Spitzer, our world revolves around Finally, a weekly local sports show that you've always wanted. Under Review Sports Talk on Connect FM. Get the latest on your favorite local sports teams here. Brought to you by our title sponsor. Next Year Bank is a proud supporter of all area sports in Du Bois. Bank anywhere, anytime, all on your terms with Next Year Bank's online and mobile banking solutions. Helping local families and businesses achieve their financial goals for over a century. Liberty Boulevard, Du Bois, and at nextyearbank.com. Your community bank. Uh, Welcome to the Hitching Post. What can I get you? The Hitching Post is open seven days a week. The post opens every day at 6.30 and closes on the weekends at 2 a.m. We're still keeping it safe. Wing Night is still every Monday. Live music is back on weekends. Details are on Facebook. Thanks for your continued support and love for The Post. Dine in or get it to go. Our full menu is at thehitchingpost1971.com. What's your call? This is Under Review on Connect FM. You can call Bob, Dave, and Dave at 814-372-1420. Join the chat on their Facebook page by searching Under Review Sports. Well, I love the draft for many reasons, but now I'm going to add this. We get to talk to awesome guests like Alex Kazora of the Steelers Depot. Alex, are you as excited as we are for the draft? It feels like Christmas Eve, guys. It's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of chaos, but I can't wait to watch it all unfold. At this point, you know, we feel like you're almost a co-host with us because we've had you on so much. And, and I have to say, uh, we, we, we thank you so much. You've been, you know, it's been great, uh, everything you've talked to us. And, and thanks for coming on again. Yeah, thanks for getting us prepared. So we had Jerry Dulac on earlier, and we talked uh, about some of the rumor mills. Uh, you know, one of them being that the Steelers might be looking to trade up in the first round. I said, oh, okay, which offensive tackle are they going to get? He said it wouldn't be for an offensive tackle. It would be for a cornerback, maybe Devin Witherspoon or Christian Gonzalez. What do you think of that, Alex? Yeah, it's interesting, and you just never can really know what's going to happen. This is a really strong and deep cornerback class, and so you wonder if you could get a guy at 17 or maybe a bit later. The tackle class is not nearly as deep, but obviously this team has done a ton of homework on corners. They brought in several several guys for pre-draft visits. They've shown interest in 
most of the top names. And so there's certainly a need there, both outside and inside. Uh, Patrick Peterson, you know, signed, but he's older near the end of his career. No cornerback is under contract. Uh, pass next year besides Patrick Peterson. So it's certainly a need for this team. They brought in Christian Gonzalez for a visit, my number one corner. I'd be elated to get him just based on the talent. They've not shown much interest in Witherspoon. Uh, he was obviously hampered by an injury in the pre-draft process at a private workout. We don't know if Pittsburgh was there or not. So that one may be more of a surprise, but we'll just have to, to wait and see. I think trading up is still certainly a possibility. And I saw in your mock that you had them taking uh, Darnell Wright, the tackle from Tennessee. Uh, is that because you think he'll fall to them, or do you like him better than some of the other tackles? Yeah, it's primarily because I think he'll be there. At least the odds of him being there might be higher than a Broderick Jones, who may be off the board at 15, to the New York Jets. Um, I think Wright's a really good system and scheme fit. You know, Just putting aside the whole right-left tackle thing for a moment, I think in terms of what offensive line coach Pat Meyer wants uh, his offensive lineman to be, how he coaches them in terms of having heavy hands, uh, using their length well, you know, creating that first contact. You see that with Darnell Wright. Uh, he's got some of the heaviest hands and best punch of any tackle in this class, 21 years old, but has made 42 starts. And so he's a guy that, you know, I know didn't have great left tackle tape, and that's why some people think he's a right tackle, and maybe so. He may be a right tackle in the NFL. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but, you know, this is a guy that was pretty new and late to playing football, didn't really play offensive tackle until high school. And so when he was 19 years old trying to play left tackle in the SEC, yeah, he might struggle a little bit. And so some of that development might be more about him just growing as a player and as a person as much as it is the position in which he's playing. But, you know, Broderick Jones certainly on the radar as well. That's a potential trade-up candidate, I think, and we'll have to, to wait and see. I'm going to change topics a little bit on you and, and go to the very top of the draft. I mean, I've seen for a while there, everybody was saying it would be Stroud. Now I'm seeing a lot more talk that it'll be Young, you know, and I'm seeing uh, Richardson connected potentially to the Colts at number four. And I've heard, I've read three different places that people think he might have the most upside. So I'm going to put it to you. If you could pick any one of those three, which one would you take? I'm sorry, of which three? Uh, I'm which sorry, three? Uh, Young? Stroud, Young, or Richardson at quarterback? I got Bryce Young as the best quarterback in this class. I understand the height's a concern there, but the reason why I think people focus so much on the lack of height and the frame is because there's nothing else in his game to nitpick. His rest of his game is just as polished as you're going to see. And, you know, if you make it in the SEC behind, you know, a tall offensive line and obviously great SEC defenses, I think you're going to be able to last in the NFL. So I think it's a good quarterback class overall. I put Richardson two, Stroud three, Levis four. I'm going to be the first to admit that I've not done as much homework on the quarterback class this year as I did last season, but that's kind of my feel of it. In terms of where they go, I'm pretty confident saying Young will go one. From there, I have no idea. <laughs> the funds are going to, going to really start a pick number two with Houston. I think you're right. Um, and, and kind of related to that, do you think that that the Carolina overpaid to get up to that spot? I mean, it seemed like they really paid a king's ransom to get to that spot. I mean, how do you feel about doing that and giving up that much draft capital? If he's the guy, he's the guy, and no one's going to worry about what you gave up if he ends up you know, turning that, that, that program around. They've been searching for that long-term quarterback for a long time, and so there's always a risk. Obviously, if you miss, it's going to look really bad and could eventually cost somebody uh, their job. But, you know, if he's the guy, then he's the guy. And, and nothing nothing makes you forget about draft capital like winning games and becoming a contender. And if Young can do that, then he's worth everything and more. Well, you're right about that. Uh, I saw Peter King had his mock draft out this week, and he had the Steelers not going in any of the directions that we've thought about. He has them taking a wide receiver in the first round, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who happens to be the brother of Kanan Smith and Jigba, who plays for the Pirates. 
Uh, could you see that happening? And, and how do you view um, this receiver class? Yeah, I don't like to rule anything out, but I'd be pretty surprised if A, if Smith and Jigbo was there, if it was like he'll be a top 15 type of guy, and B, if Pittsburgh ultimately took him. Now, he does kind of check the boxes in terms of, you know, Tomlin Khan being at that pro day. I know that Allen Robinson probably is only going to be a one-year player, but I think with the addition of him and the other needs and the other positions this team has looked at so strongly that receiver that early, I think, would, would, would come um, as a surprise. So I, I can't rule anything out, but I think I think the most interesting thing about um, that mock draft that you're referring to was the explanation where I think King was trying to talk himself into Deontay <laughs> Banks from Maryland. He ended it by saying, watch out for Banks at 17. And so I almost felt like he wanted to put Deontay Banks there because They've looked at the corner class so much. They brought Banks in for a visit. And if they do not trade up, then he may be the guy at 17. Um, let's look at the second round then. Um, they have the 32nd pick and the 49th pick. Uh, if they don't go corner in the first round, who are some names that you like in the second round? Yeah, like I said earlier, it's a really deep and strong cornerback class. I think it's one reason why you may consider waiting uh, and, and not taking one at 17 and taking one at 32 or 49. I think Tyreek Stevenson's a guy that Pittsburgh's had interest in. Ike Taylor, a big fan of him. Um, he's a guy that is literally modeling his game after Patrick Peterson. So what better place for him to end up uh, than Pittsburgh where he can learn from Patrick Peterson. He can be that mentor to him. He's a guy that's got speed. He's physical. You know, I think he's a little unrefined. He's got to be able to, to defend the deep ball a bit better, maybe a little bit tight hit, but um, overall, you know, productive, drives well in the three-step game, five-step game, uses his size and length well, and he's a tackler. He'll definitely hit you some other good cornerbacks. Julius Brent from Kansas State, rare length for the position, had a great workout, kind of a Tariq Woolen type, maybe lacking that straight-line speed that Woolen had, but very similar in basically every other regard, probably better hips as well than what uh, Tariq Woolen has. Uh, Keely Ringo is a guy I think that they're going to like there in round two. I'm not as, as high on him. Um, one guy I do like, though, is kind of a later, you know, maybe 49 candidate, Darius Rush from South Carolina. He's a guy with really good tape, had some health issues, but he got healthy this past year and was really productive. I think he's a really strong man coverage corner, a tremendous athlete with straight line speed. So, you know, I could rattle off 10 more names, but <laughs> you get the idea that this is a really good cornerback class. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious they're 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 going to take something there uh, up top. I guess a lot of time, a lot of things I've been seeing kind of indicate that they might end up in the worst of all worlds at seventeen. All the top offensive tackles go, those top two corners go, and as you said, it's a deep corner draft, and maybe you, you know you don't want to reach. Could you see them potentially maybe trading down, you know, into the later part of the the first round and just pick up some capital, maybe even next year capital, just to just to give themselves a little bit more. Uh, more room. Yeah, I get asked that a lot, and the answer I always give is maybe. I mean, maybe. You just never know. It depends on the board, and you're right. This board could kind of break, quote-unquote, poorly for Pittsburgh. If those tackles are gone, those top three corners are gone, then you know, you're know you not sure what direction Pittsburgh's going to go. So you always listen to offers. You see what the board looks like. You see what the trade-back possibilities are. I think it's more likely if they do make a move, it would be to go up than to go down, but nothing is off the table. But I just think already having those two second-round picks, is there as much of an incentive to move down Again, you know, adding more picks, and they got to bridge that fifth, sixth-round gap right now. I think Khan at some point will pick up a fifth or a sixth, so he's not waiting 130 or so picks from, from round four to round seven, um, but that may not be the move at 17. So short answer is it's possible. You listen. Watch out what happens to Hendon Hooker. I think he's a guy that the Steelers fans have to watch, not that Pittsburgh would take him, obviously, but, you know, will teams try to trade up to get Hooker at 17? Minnesota, Tampa Bay, that's possible. Um, if Hooker were to somehow fall out of the first round at, at 32, then Pittsburgh's almost certainly going to end up trading out that pick. If somebody's going to want to come up 
to take Hendon Hooker. So I think when it comes to the quarterbacks, obviously Kenny Pickett's the guy. They could draft somebody late, but I'm keeping a, a close eye on what happens to Hendon Hooker because he may play a factor in uh, any trade options and, and possibilities Pittsburgh makes. We're uh, talking with Alex Kazora, the Steelers Depot, and if you're looking for draft coverage, there's no better place to go than the Steelers Depot website. Um, Alex Bijan Robinson, where do you see him going? How and is he worth a first round pick? Yeah, I think there's a big divide on him, just because you see on on one hand the talent. I don't know if he's quite this generational talent that some people have made him out to be. I think the best back in this class by far is going to be a really good starter for a long time. I don't know if he's going to have some of the superlatives that some draft nicks have, have ascribed him to. You know where he goes in my. Uh, I did a seven round mock across the whole NFL over the weekend. I put him eight to Atlanta. I think he'll fit what Arthur Smith wants to do to run the football, to take some of the pressure off of Desmond Ritter. Obviously, 10 to Philadelphia is a possibility, although there's some rumors the Eagles may move up or or a pass rusher or maybe Jalen Carter, something like that. It's hard to say. So that's kind of a wild card because, you know, you're kind of in that that old school world of like talent and running back and starter versus new school analytics and, you know, the, the, the new age thought of don't take a running back early. I really couldn't tell you. He'll obviously be a first-round pick, probably in that, you know, start the conversation at 8, and maybe by at some point, you know, 20 or so, somebody trades up. But it's probably his range. It's kind of hard to get a read on. Slot corner seems to be a bigger need than maybe some people are making it out to be. And a couple guys that I really like, um, Brian Branch, uh, he's a guy from Alabama that maybe would fill that role very well. And then there's another guy down the road, that Tomlinson. Uh, can you speak to the to either of them? Yeah, I'm a big Brian Branch fan. And at first in the pre-jet process, I hadn't watched his tape too much. He's a buck 90, trying to play some safety. You know, I didn't know exactly where that fit was going to be, but you know, I, I'd be happy if he was the pick at 17. I would not be mad about that one bit because he can play slot corner. He can play strong safety. He hits bigger than his size. He's super instinctive. And he's like Minka, doesn't have quite the straight line speed or the range or like that super ball hawkness, but underneath zone, um, this guy's aces. And so that's a guy that I think would fill a lot of needs. You're right, slot corner has not been talked about much at all. Pittsburgh has not shown a lot of public interest in that position, but there's nothing there right now. I'm a little worried that we're going to go back to 2021 when this team kind of you know forgot about the slot corner position. They um, lost Mike Hilton. They didn't really have a good replacement. They tried to go into camp with, Arthur Millette and Antoine Brooks, and it was kind of a mess. They tried to make Minka play slot corner the first two weeks. He struggled, and they had to kind of scrap the whole idea. And, and this time, there's no Cam Sutton to plug that hole. So I'm a little worried about that. Hodges Tomlinson, yeah, you know, obviously lacking some of that size, um, but considered one of the top slot corners along with Clark Phillips from Utah. So hopefully they can find somebody. If there's a position to double dip on, it is definitely going to be cornerback. Get an outside guy, get a slot guy. They need both. Well, we're almost out of time, but I have to ask you one question here. You know, the draft is is this week and you've been working so hard on it. What's your plan for the week after? You going on vacation? You going to put your feet up? What what do you do to to celebrate being done with that? Uh, vacation's kind of a foreign word to me. I don't know too much. Um, you know, rookie minicamp's only going to be two weeks after that. So we'll be a lot, you know, Steelers Depot never stops. <laughs> new, new cycle never stops. And so we're going to be doing film rooms and discussions and going through the tape of all these draft picks because once you once you know the names, you can really dive in and hone in on these guys and watch as much tape as possible. So at some point, things will slow down. But, uh, man, NFL draft never stops. The NFL season never stops. And we're really excited to, to start finding some answers to answer all of our speculation. And Alex Kazora never stops, and that's why we love you. Yeah, thank you for coming on again, Alex. We'll be hitting you up after the draft to get your uh, analysis, if you don't mind. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it, and, and uh, enjoy the draft. You too. Thank you. Thanks so much. Smith Timbering and Consultants are experts at tree management and are looking for an energetic, reliable individual to join their team. They currently have an excellent opportunity for a full-time forestry technician to buy, mark, and cruise standing timber. They offer competitive pay with bonus incentives, health incentives, health insurance, and company vehicle. Associate's degree or higher in forestry required. Please email your resume or questions to Wes at smithtimbering.com. That's Wes at smithtimbering.com. Carlson Auto Repair is a locally family-owned and operated business that serves you, their customer, like you're one of the family. Carlson Auto Repair genuinely cares about the folks who come to see them for mechanical and auto body work. They don't do anything that isn't needed, and they do the repairs at an affordable rate. If you need auto repair inspections or collision work, get it done right and reasonably at Carlson Auto Repair, where they know you and they know your vehicle. 100 East Park Avenue, Dubois. You can catch the Pirates all season long on Connect FM, your only local news radio, 96.7 and 99.7 FM, and AM 1420, WCED Dubois. Ness and Associates, insurance and investments. At Ness and Associates Insurance, we are a growing team of agents to help you with all your insurance needs. We have 10 agents in various specialties. We have commercial insurance for business, health insurance for business and individuals, and of course, all of our agents can assist anyone with home and auto. We're not just an 800 number that you call. We're local, know our customers, and work with them and their individual needs. Stop by their Dubois office today or call Ness and Associates Insurance at 371-6750. Back pain sufferers, do you want to avoid dangerous medications or risky surgery? Then listen closely. NewMedX, an innovative medical facility, has a revolutionary new approach to treating back pain with a seven-step treatment program that is tailored to your specific back pain. To find out if you are a candidate, call NewMedX for a free screening at 814-618-5295. Don't suffer another day. Call 814-618-5295. That's 814-618-5295. Five two nine five. Now let's go back to under review on Connect FM. Here again, Bob Anderson, Dave Glass, and Dave Herzing. We're back. I know that our time's uh, gone quickly as always, but we are with you until six ten here until the Buckos uh, pregame show. Unusual night, you yeah. know, unusual schedule. And and next week, I believe we're back on at six o'clock. But nonetheless, if you miss any of our shows, remember you can always catch us on the podcast on the Connect FM app. But we didn't want to leave you without a little bit of NHL talk. The playoffs are continuing on. Yeah, the P- Penguins aren't involved, but it's still been exciting action. Uh, Dave, I'm just going to take a quick trip around the league here. Let's start with the Maple Leafs, who are now up 3-1 to one on the Lightning. They won game four after trailing 4-1 to one going into the third period. And um, it just seems to me like the Lightning have hit the wall. They've you know, played three straight years in the championship. Uh, what are your thoughts? Have the Leafs slayed the dragon here? Well, you know, I, I hate to say that until they get to, to that fourth one because I've seen the Leafs blow leads before. Do you remember, I think it's been a decade now since they had that that Game 7 lead against uh, Boston and blew it, um, and, and it doesn't get much worse than that. But there's so much history there that I feel like they really need to close this thing out tonight, or not tonight, tomorrow, because 
if they lose game five at home and then they go to Tampa and now the pressure's still on Tampa at that point, but if Tampa pulls that out, can you imagine going from three, one up to coming back home? Everybody in the world's all worked up in Toronto. Having said that, I think this is their year to go down the way they did in game four. They didn't panic. They came back. They won that game. They looked sharp. Um, I still worry a little bit about the goaltending and a little bit about the defense, but man, up front, they are so strong and, and there's no game. I mean, they just proved that against the, you know, the best team in the East, the last three or four years, they're never out of a game. They're just not. And it looks like they'll probably be playing the Bruins if they do advance. Cause it, the Bruins have a chance to close out the Panthers tonight. So I didn't think there's much to talk about there. Only that I have, I'm so impressed. You know, that series was one, one, no Bergeron. All Mark was questionable. It's like, oh, this could be some real adversity. And they just went out and steamrolled Florida. So yeah, I think that's going to, that could be a great second round series, but you're right. Not much to say. And how about the devils? They've really reversed course since the last time we talked, they were down 2-0 and won the last two on the road at Madison square garden. They've regained home ice advantage. Man, they're growing up fast, and a goalie change seems to have made the difference. I'm wondering, who is Akira Schmid? <laughs> and here he is. He's a 22-year-old rookie, uh, six foot five. He's calm as calm can be. He's a fifth-round pick in 2018. He had double hip surgery in 2020, and he stopped 57 of 59 shots since taking over in Game 3. Uh, New York's power play, 0 for 10 uh, with Schmid in the net. Yeah, that's, you know, you have to figure that the Rangers will figure it out. They do have a lot of talent up front. You know, they kind of went all in. You know, they got Kane. You know, they went from being rebuilding to this is our time very quickly. And I actually, I th think they kind of overshot the mark because when you look at some of these other teams, I mean, look at the team they're playing. The Devils are younger. I think they're faster. I think, you know, they, they were better than them the regular season this year, and I think they're going to be better next year. So the Rangers better find a way to do it this year. They're going to be looking up at the Devils for the next decade, I think. I, I said before, and I believe this, the Devils are the new Penguins in the East, certainly in this division. I You know, there's a lot of talent in the Atlantic, but I have trouble picking anybody else but the Devils because they've got so much upfront talent and we help make their defense better by, you know, basically handing them Marino. Um, but, and, and like you said, though, I kind of thought they were overwhelmed the first couple games, but man, have they really righted the ship, uh, even, you know, on the road even. So impressive. Um, that, that game tomorrow is going to be huge. And um, I, I, I kind of like their chances now. Yeah, so much for home ice advantage. Uh, it looks like the you know the um, Hurricanes they they lost last night to the Islanders. I still expect them to advance. I don't I don't think oh, the yeah. Islanders are very you good. Know, no, well you know that this is like a mirror match. These teams are so much like each other. They both have trouble scoring goals. They both play so well with the lead. They both play this really structured system. Um, New York actually I think played outplayed them the last two games, but New York way 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 overdid it on the hitting department and got into all sorts of penalty trouble. They they calmed down in the last game. And they really took it to and, – and the problem with the Hurricanes is they have so many injury problems up front that where are they going to get their goals? I mean, it's a race to three with them, and if they don't get to three, they're, they're, they're going to have problems. That's why I think whoever wins that Rangers-Devil series is, is poised to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. I agree. 
Now out west, the Oilers are up three to two after a six to three win last night against the Kings. Former Penguin Nick Bukestad had two goals, and um, if they can get their goaltending in order, they'll be a tough team to beat. Their power play is clicking at fifty-seven percent. They're eight for fourteen in the series. The best power play in the history of the game. They were just under thirty-three thirty-three percent in the regular season. That's unheard of. And as I told Bob before, they could go zero for the next ten, and they'd still be at thirty-three percent. And they've got LA on the penalty kill is completely psyched out. They're not being aggressive at all. Uh, and LA just has to. St- if they're going to win, they have to stay out of the box they can take no more than one or two penalties on saturday and there's a big break in this series too i don't know what's going on with the arenas but they don't play again until game six until saturday um i just think that in this game last night was a great example mcdavid was kind of quiet um you know and so was um Dreisaitl, but the the depth came through. I mean, and any time on that team that the depth comes through, they're going to be almost impossible to beat. I still, I like them to to win the conference before and nothing's really changed my mind. How about the Kraken? They are up, uh, or they're tied with the Avs right now at two. Kale McCarr is suspended tonight for game five. That's a huge loss. Uh, hit Jared McCann very late. and a bad hit. Yeah, and McCann, he didn't return. I don't know if he'll be back or not tonight. Uh, Seattle has a very balanced attack. 11 different players have scored. McCann isn't one of them, even though he scored 40 goals during the regular season. They've gone from a fun story to a legitimate threat to knock off the defending champions. Uh, I, look, that was a great moment for Seattle fans. I'm really happy for them. You know, that, that was a really exciting game for I still think the Avs, you know, the defending champs, they're still going to be a little too much. But but this this series has exposed the Avs a little bit. I mean, other than their top line or two, they're, they're really not that good. As, like, they, they don't have the depth they did. And, you know, McCarr being out is huge. I mean, he is probably the best defenseman in the league. And that when I saw that hit, I was like, man, that, that's just a bad hit. And he's lucky he didn't get more than one game. I mean, I think they kind of took into account he has no history of that co- sort of behavior. But uh, I think they'll win, but they're really going to be in for a fight next round. All right. Well, it, our hour went very fast, as always. We uh, got to mention the fact that your stars, who you really like, I know. You know, they're on the br- brink of winning, and man, they, they've got all the tools. I think they could be a good pick in the West. I love their goaltending. So it's time to get lost. We we are looking forward to getting D back in the lineup soon. But I only have one get lost. It came from my wife. She said, "Get lost, uh, bunkers in the middle of the fairways in golf." That's that is kind of dumb. She's right. That that I, I've never liked that. And we sh- we didn't talk to Jerry about golf at all. We got to remember to do that next time. I guess. I don't have a whole lot. The only thing I have is some of these hockey games, when they get to be blowouts, all of a sudden, whoever's losing wants to instigate a bunch of fights in the third period. And even I give the refs credit. They try to get control of it. But when the team's already figured they've lost the game, there's no incentive for them to stop. So get lost. Crazy fighting at the end of NHL playoff games. It's just dumb, and it does nothing except get players hurt. All right. Well, enjoy the draft. We'll see you next week. Go Bucks. Go Bucks.